You're listening to Don't Waste Water. We're basically aiming to become the world's first integrated lithium chemicals company and renewable energy producer. And we're doing all this with net zero greenhouse emissions and not using any fossil fuels in our process. Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Don't Waste Water podcast. Our phase one is targeting 24,000 tonnes of lithium hydroxide monohydrate as a product that's already been sold to our customers. We're also targeting to produce 300 gigawatt hours of renewable power and 250 gigawatt hours of renewable heat each year. Hopefully by the end of 2025, we'll have all of this in production. I'm your host, Antoine Valter, and in today's episode, I'm delighted to welcome Chris Moreno as my guest. I think what it means is that we've got a really robust business case. And I think a lot of people are printing money at the moment. That's the advantage of those producers at the moment. We don't foresee that price forecast staying around 70. I think that's probably a little bit unhealthy, actually. Chris is deputy CEO at Vulcan Energy Resources. We are the largest lithium resource in Europe by a significant margin. We're actually globally an important resource and something that we could almost provide all of Europe's lithium needs if we could have the capital to develop our projects. Vulcan aims to decarbonize the transition to electric mobility through its world-first zero-carbon lithium project for electrical vehicle batteries and its renewable energy business. This exploration of the lithium world has taken me far from home. Canada, USA, Mexico, Australia, Argentina, Bolivia, UK and more. But one of the most exciting projects in this new wave actually happens to be a dozen kilometers away from where I cut my wastewater engineering teeth and Vulcan, the project developer, just signed an offtake agreement with a car factory I can see if I climb up my village hill. And this makes sense for a ton of reasons. First, the Rhine Valley used to be a salt flat, exactly like the Atacama Desert nowadays. And this was just 35 million years ago. So on the geological scale of things, it makes sense. Then it's a geothermal region and Germany actively pushes to add more geothermal plants to its energy mix, which means thousands of cubic meters of water that are pumped from that lithium-rich aquifer anyways, which allows you to emulate the example we heard from Standard Lithium, piggybacking on Langsess's bromine business. But maybe most importantly, Europe is actively building about 30 battery gigafactories. And that's a staple in the zero carbon transition of mobility. But to feed those factories, Europe will need lithium at some point. Today, 97% of that lithium is imported from China. And with China's own plans to further build up the battery value chain, they may well use all their lithium themselves, which would leave Europe without any white oil. So Vulcan's endeavors in the Upper Rhine Valley, today on the German side and anytime soon on the French side, would not only be one of the largest lithium projects in the world, but from 2026 on, it might also be Europe's EV strategy lifeline. As long as I'm not fully up to speed with my own backyard project. So what's Vulcan's plan to a quote-unquote glorified water processing facility? Because that's what the lithium extraction is. It's just a water processing facility. <laughs> able to deliver 24,000 tons of lithium hydroxide in its first phase, but also 300 gigawatt hour of renewable power and 250 gigawatt hour of renewable heat. Chris will be our guide just after this reminder that if you like what you hear, if all of this is of any value to you, please take this episode and share it with a friend, a colleague, your boss or your team, and I'll meet you on the other side. 
You're listening to Don't Waste Water, the podcast that helps water professionals to improve their wastewater treatment, optimize their operation costs, and keep up with the latest market trends. This podcast is brought to you by GF Piping Systems. As a leading supplier of piping systems made of plastics and metal, GF Piping Systems is the global expert for the safe and reliable transportation of water, chemicals, and gas. For more information, visit gfps.com. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. I'm excited to have that conversation with you for many reasons. So let me jump straight into it. You're here to represent a company I'm following for a while, which is called Vulcan. But for anyone which wouldn't be familiar yet with what you're doing, what would be your elevator pitch? Vulcan is a unique company where basically aiming to become the world's first integrated lithium chemicals company and renewable energy producer. And we're doing all this with net zero greenhouse emissions and not using any fossil fuels in our process. So that's what we're aiming to be. What would be your definition of integrated? I mean, integrated is a term we use to say that in the same process as we drill into our reservoir down in the Upper Rhine Valley, we can use the heat that's generated from our geothermal resource, the brine that's in the ground. We use that heat to basically create renewable energy, green energy for heating of communities and for people's homes, producing green power that can be used obviously to power our lives. But the same heat can also be used and the same power can help to generate and process our lithium. And this lithium is actually contained in that same brine. So this green energy actually drives the processing of that lithium so we don't need any fossil fuels. And we have all the energy we need to actually create our lithium hydroxide monohydrate, which is what goes into batteries that you need for cars and hopefully in the future planes and trains and everything else. You mentioned this lithium hydroxide monohydrate. Yes. You're definitive feasibility study is just out. And if I'm not mistaken, you will project to produce 24,000 tons of that lithium hydroxide. There are also many other perks and big numbers in that DFS. Pretty impressive. If I had just to take out three key facts about your project, what would it be? There's lots of numbers in my head, but I'll give you, I'll give you three. The one that you said at the beginning was important. So our phase one is targeting 24,000 tons of lithium hydroxide monohydrate as a product that's already been sold to our customers. So that's one. We're also targeting to produce 300 gigawatt hours of renewable power and 250 gigawatt hours of renewable heat each year for our communities. And probably the last number that we can probably talk about now is we're trying to do this at speed and hopefully by the end of 2025, we'll have all of this in production. We'll ramp up through 2026, but our target at the moment is to be in production with our renewable heat, renewable energy and our lithium by the end of 2025. For that exploration of the lithium world, I've been talking with companies at different phases of the development of their projects and some were just starting out and having a PowerPoint and a great idea. Mm. You're far beyond that point. If I'm right, you're running a pilot now for a while. How long are you running that pilot and what did you learn on the go? That's a really good point. I mean, we've been operating our pilot for two years now. We were strategically well positioned a few years ago to actually buy an existing geothermal power plant in a place called Insign down in the Upper Rhine. And once we brought that power plant, we were able to actually connect live to that live well, our pilot plant's 
these pilot plants have given us a lot of valuable data and we've been able to use that data and refine that process in our main design for our big commercial plants. It's pretty typical in these type of projects where you have like a geophysio type chemistry. So by having this data, we've been able to optimize our commercial design with this data and it's given us a lot of confidence as we've tried different sorbents and we'll probably come on to sorbents soon. The main heart of the technology is this adsorbent or sorbent as we call it technology. We've been able to try different sorbents to really understand what is the most optimal sorbent in our process and what are those parameters that really absorb and extract as much lithium as possible. On that topic, we've because of this pilot plant, we've actually been able to design and develop our own sorbent, which is really important actually because currently inside Europe, there is no sorbent production. In fact, most of the sorbent production comes from China or Russia. And you know we are trying to be a company, a European company, where we're, you know, the, the source is in Europe. We want to produce that heat for Europe and we want to produce that lithium for Europe. But if we're starting to rely on supply chains that are outside of Europe, particularly in China and Russia, then we're at risk. So what we've been able to do the last few years, predominantly through our expertise with our Chief Technology Officer, Dr. Stephen Harrison, is actually develop our own um, sorbent. Now, this sorbent is pretty much the same family of sorbents has been around since the 60s when Dow actually developed this. And in the 90s, was actually commercially made available by a company called FMC, now Livent. So it's actually been in production since 1996. So it's commercially proven, this sorbent. But it's always good to use a pilot plant to really design out these process parameters. So we've been lucky. We've got two years of data underneath us. So that's sorbent which you're using is it one which you backwash with water or one which you backwash with acids? I'm just trying to put it for the muggles here. Yeah, no, awesome question. So there's an umbrella term called DLE, direct lithium extraction. Unfortunately, it captures a lot of different chemical physical type extraction methodologies. One's called direct lithium extraction, it's called adsorption. adsorption. There's other ones called solvent extraction, and then there's ion exchange. Now, the adsorption one that we're doing, we can adsorb the lithium onto our little beads that we've got, which is the sorbent beads, and we are able to then desorb with fresh water. So it's very, I guess, friendly. We're not using harsh chemicals, which also have their own issues, not just a cost issue, but a carbon issue because it's not easy to make these chemicals, these acids and bases. So we can desorb with fresh water, and what that means is that we can recover the lithium in this fresh water And what we do is use the heat from the geothermal brine to basically concentrate up that lithium into lithium chloride. And that's actually what we send up to our electrolysis plant up in Herxt in Frankfurt to basically use electrolysis technology to convert the lithium chloride into lithium hydroxide. Now, some of the other DLE technologies like solvent extraction and ion exchange, they use heavy amounts of chemical and base. It's always about precipitation and trying to get the pH right. So we get none of that. So it's a super friendly process in that respect. According to your DFS, you will be able to produce lithium at 4,539. That's very precise, euro per ton. Yep. Today's lithium spot price is hovering around 70,000 euros per ton. Yes. Does that mean you're printing a lot of money? I think what it means is that we've got a really robust business case. And I think a lot of people are printing money at the moment. So that's the advantage of those producers at the moment. But I think what it means is that, you know, we don't foresee that price forecast staying around 70. I think that's probably a little bit unhealthy, actually. We've got a much lower forecast. We're also lucky. We've already sold the first five years and in some cases, 10 years of our production 
to some of the largest manufacturers of battery value chain. So with Volkswagen, with Umicore, with LG Chem, with Stellantis and Renault. So whether it's a cathode manufacturer or a car manufacturer or a battery manufacturer. So we've basically fixed in some of those prices and we've got some that are floating and we've got some that are a basket of those. So we feel very comfortable with, a, as you said, 4,000 plus type production costs. We're going to be really robust no matter what happens in the future. Compared to some of the other projects which can hover between 8,000 and 15,000 a ton. So it starts to become a bit more scarier when the price starts to drop. You mentioned this offtake agreements you have with these large car manufacturers. Again, for the Muggle, which is me in that room, how does that work? What do they exactly buy? The lithium in the future? The promise of the lithium in the future? A piece of paper? How is it? <laughs> yeah, uh, so these are binding offtake agreements, which is important. So they're not non-binding. So they have secured the lithium. They're aware of our development timeline. So we've said that we would be producing lithium by the end of 25 and ramping up through 26. They've secured the lithium that we start producing in that year in 2026. Now, also with these manufacturers, they've got like a validation period because what happens is when they take the lithium, they can't just straight away put it into a cathode or into a battery. So they typically take six to 12 months of validation where they take our lithium, test it, make sure it's good. They optimize their battery or their cathode a little bit, and then they'll take their full production or full quota from their nodwoods. So, so it is a binding agreement. It's a paper today, but that's secured the production in the future. And hopefully we'll continue to see more and more of those contracts as we start producing. And obviously, yeah, we're looking to expand to more and more companies once we start producing phase one, but then phase two and future phases. So phase one is this 24 kilotons a year. Correct. Phase two has similar in size or what's your long-term vision? How much can you produce on the long run? Yeah, I mean, th this is a really important point because what we did during the DFS, we actually announced an update in our resource. Now, currently in the Upper Vine Valley, we have 15 licenses, either exploration or production licenses. And we basically did the DFS really around the first five licenses because we've already got two, we've got this producing geothermal plant already at Insime and we've got another joint venture and offtake, Brian offtake in Landau. So we're very confident in this central part of the core of the field. But for phase one, we're basically looking at five licenses and those five licenses account for around 5 million tonnes of lithium carbonate equivalent. But our actual lithium resource across all of our licenses actually equates more towards 26, 26.5 in tons of lithium carbonate equivalent. So what that means is for phase one, 24,000 tons of lithium hydroxide monohydrate, you know, we can see a phase two, phase three, phase four, maybe even a phase five, to be honest. We're trying to look at phase one. And then once we've designed phase one, it's like a cookie cutter. We designed phase one, it's a cookie cutter. We take it to the next one. So we can expand as and when the market needs it or all our customers need it. That's how we're looking to expand you know, with the market growing. You mentioned how you start producing in 2026. What's your roadmap towards that? What do you have to do and what are these in-between steps which tell you to on track? That's where we are. As a company at the moment, we've been this really awesome development company in the last four, four and a half years. So that's got us to this point. 2023 is like a transition or transformation year where we transform from a development company into an execution and production company. So for us this year, we've got a number of key milestones. Some of them are about we're building these larger commercial demonstration plants. We talked about the pilot plants previously, but we're actually building these larger demonstration plants right next to the existing pilot plants, actually. And so they're looking to be complete around middle of this year. And they're really important because they will be used to train our operations team in like a pre-commercial setting. 
we'll also be able to like tinker with some like process parameters and become really comfortable with the equipment. So we've got those demo plants being built this year, which will also produce lithium chloride and lithium hydroxide. We will also then start to move into real hardcore like execution stuff, like we'll be awarding major long lead items of equipment. So we're buying big crystallizers and we're buying electrolysis units and things like that. It's important right now because the supply chain around the world is quite stretched. So it's important that we order these. But we will also start to then really award our big EPC, like engineering procurement construction contracts or EPCMs, engineering procurement construction management contracts. We can't do this on our own. We need lots of partners. So this is about securing those partners towards the second half of this year, because during 2024 and 2025, we'll do the hard stuff. We'll be engineering, we'll be buying, we'll be building the plants and installing the pipelines and drilling the wells. And we'll also start drilling at the end of this year. So we've actually purchased two rigs within the Vulcan Group strategically. I think that was actually a really important part of securing our future. You think about what's happening in Germany right now, and we've had our our Chancellor announce there's going to be another 100 geothermal projects before the end of the decade, which is quite amazing. That shows how the energy mix is really going to change within Germany. And so it should be when we're reliant on other exports from Russia and other things. We've got multiple execution type activities ongoing. We're still getting some permits. We're doing a lot of our drilling. We're doing execution and setting ourselves up for the remainder of the execution phase. You mentioned the partners you will need for the execution. Do you already have some which are lined up or is it all prepared to be tendered and to be decided later this year? It's a mixture actually. So for some of the technology, we're very confident working with one or two suppliers. They've actually been with us for a long time already whether that's based on the extraction part or the conversion part, we're using those suppliers and working with them actually to really fine-tune some of the design. So they will probably just go ahead and be a negotiation and a supply agreement. Other things we will have to competitively tender because we obviously want to achieve the best outcome and the best and sort of really partner with the companies that really believe in our project and our behaviors and our mindset. So we want to look for like-minded partners. So that's what that tendering process will do also. I've been discussing with Standard Lithium, headquartered in Canada, having the project in the US. I don't know if you consider yourself competition because you're really at two different ends of the world, but it was interesting to see how they developed that project. And it really explains that they focus on their one project. And then of course, if something else comes, they might support it, but they really need to deliver the first one. Mm. You have phase one, phase two lined up and more projects in the pipe. Mm-hmm. Is it a different approach or do you also say the number one thing is phase one has to deliver? I think right now it's all, always about phase one. Share and echo that with Stan Lithium. The reality is your whole sort of business case is predicated and premised on getting that phase one right because then that's how you can expand and expand with speed and with quality and all those things. So you learn from that first one. But at the same time, there's a need. I mean, the world is growing much faster than phase one. So Where we're getting really good within at least the Vulcan group is that we've got a very much an execution mindset and a group looking after that. But then we also have a development group who's also looking at what is the next part of that pipeline or funnel. So we don't want to sacrifice one for the other. So we're trying to move fast in execution. Phase one is our focus, but we're also looking at what is the next thing that we'll bring into our pipeline. Your DFS mentions you have 1.5 billion euros of capex to find for this phase one Mm -hmm. do you already have all the money in the bank or do you still need to raise some money we don't have all the money and that's for sure we've got about 120 million euros still in our bank which is good we obviously do have a gap between that and trying to obviously finance the 1.5 
we're tackling a number of finance streams at the moment and we're being advised by BNP Paribas, which people know. So we're looking at the debt side and the equity side. On the debt side, we've had BNP really help us and we've started to talk to a, a lot of banks. We've just started that process. There's been a lot of interest for a number of like commercial and standard banks to really support this type of project. It's a very green project. In fact, we do qualify underneath the European sort of EU taxonomy type rules, which means that we're hopefully able to access green funding, green financing, which is really important. The other thing is that we've had really strong support from the export credit agencies around Europe. So whether it be France or Germany or Belgium or Italy, and this is really important because these export credit agencies can actually underwrite the banks. So it obviously provides you know, much more assurance that we're a good bet. BNP have said that we can probably do 60, 65% debt and the rest will have to be equity, sort of 30, 35%. And so in that side, we're actually talking with a lot of strategic corporate partners at the moment. We're talking to major oil and gas companies because they have a lot of similarity in the experience of our upstream. Like they've drilled lots of wells, lots of geothermal wells, pipelines, processing, power plants. That's really quite a standard upstream oil and gas play. These oil and gas companies, they've got a mandate to decarbonize. So they have to start transitioning themselves. So that's a pretty natural partner for us to say, hey, you know, oil and gas company, do you want to you know, work with us and transform? In the downstream part, though, the lithium chloride conversion to lithium hydroxide, that's actually standard chloroalkali technology. So there's like 11 chloroalkali parts in Germany, I found out not too long ago. Germany is one of the biggest chloroalkali suppliers in the world, but they've been taking what is sodium chloride using electrolysis to create sodium hydroxide and HCl. We're doing the same, but we're just taking lithium chloride. So for us, we're looking at a number of chemical players, big chemical players, to really then be equity partners with us at the project level for the downstream. So between the two, we're trying to balance the needs. And also, we're obviously we're looking for support from the EU and from, from the state aid process from our member state, Germany, because at the end of the day, if you look at what's happening in America and the US, they're getting a lot of funding support from the US through the IRA, this Inflationary Reduction Act. So that's propelling. It's shifted the balance actually quite badly from even China and EU over to the US. That's been because there's been a lot of investment and therefore investment follows investment. So public investment will follow the government investment. So we're really looking at the EU to step up and really help a lot of these critical raw materials and these net zero type projects like we are. Well, if they don't help you, I don't know who they are going to help. I mean, 84% projected EBDA, zero carbon, only project of that magnitude in Europe and Europe building all these gigafactories, someone will have to supply the lithium to them. So just my layman view on that. But I'm glad you echo the same as us. I mean, we are the largest lithium resource in Europe by a significant margin. We're actually globally an important resource and something that we could almost provide all of Europe's lithium needs if we could have the capital to develop our projects. So we're hoping there's common sense there at the EU level and the member state to support us. So let me give you my anecdotal input here. I started all that lithium deep dive because I myself found a brine which is lithium rich, mm -hmm. which happens to be not that far from yours. I would say 80 kilometers south. Yeah. But I verified you don't have a rights on that one yet. <laughs> Good. Develop it. I'm running a podcast. I'm not running a lithium company. And my question is, if I come to you with, I have two analyzers. One is at 300 ppm of lithium. The other is at 400 ppm of lithium. Mm -hmm. Of course, not the perfect thing. You also have all the stuff inside, but you have a good lithium content. Mm -hmm. Are you actively looking into this kind of 
new projects or with everything you already have in your pipe, I mean, you're sitting, as you mentioned, on a resource which could be supplying the entirety of Europe. Maybe you don't need to have additional projects. I mean, we're always looking for opportunities. There's value in creating partnerships. You know, we see ourselves as a technology company as well. We've developed our own effectively absorbent. So therefore, we've created the heart of the DLE or DLS technology. So we're not that type of company. We want geothermal brands to work globally. If we want to decarbonize the current world's passenger fleet and electrify them, that would release over a billion tons of carbon to the air if we were to follow traditional hard rock or brine conversion. That's something that doesn't sit well with the Vulcan people. So if it came to me and somebody said, can we do another geothermal brine development lithium? We said, hell yeah. I mean, that, that's going to help us in the world, not just the company Vulcan. So Absolutely. And the Upper Rhine and the French side is obviously, the Upper Rhine is one third French, two thirds Germany. So we know that the French part will have a big part to play as well. Okay, I can't crack you all my secrets, but it's not exactly, I would say the middle Rhine. Okay, right. Yeah. Last one, you have a lot of technical challenges because nobody ever did a DLE on the commercial side. You are really well aligned to overcome that DLE challenge and you're tackling at the same time the DLE, so extracting the lithium, the heat production and the energy. That sounds incredibly ambitious. Are you sometimes looking and saying, oh, maybe we can drop one of the three and go on the safe side? I have to respectfully correct you. I think the DLE or the DLS, the absorption has been around for a long time commercially. There's Liven have been operating their plant in South America, Argentina. China's actually got four absorption plants. The exact same absorbent that we're using in China have been operating for decades. Rio Tinto are doing another absorption plant in Argentina as we speak, and they're called the Rincon Project, and so is Aramat, a good French company, also in South America. So there's actually a number of commercial-scale absorption. In fact, at the moment, as we understand it, absorption accounts for 10% of the lithium supply globally. So that definitely, underneath the DLE umbrella, is commercial. But I know, I know what you're saying. We're combining different things, what may be seen for the first time. I'm typically a humble individual. But the way I see this upstream, it's a really, some people see it as a complex mining project. I see it as a very easy oil and gas project because I come from complex oil and gas projects where we spend $20, $30 billion, not $1 billion to produce the upstream, where we drill wells, we install pipelines, we recover that, we process it, and we create our own power, and then we sell that to a refinery. So that's how an oil and gas project works in Australia, Europe, you know, anywhere in the world. So for us, we just feel like we're bolting together and combining proven technologies in a clever way, which doesn't mean we need fossil fuels. And that's really what we're trying to do. And so that's the non-humble part of me. But it's also about engineering those technical interfaces to make sure they're good. So most of our focus at the moment is really working those technical interfaces between a well, a pipeline, a glorified water processing facility, because that's what the lithium extraction is. It's just a water processing facility. <laughs> And we create some geothermal power and then we sell that to a chloroalkali plant and that makes hydroxide. So we feel pretty comfortable to be us. Well, I have to be respectful of your time. Thanks a lot for all these very open answers, Chris. It was a pleasure to have the discussion with you. Your DFS is just out. I'll link it in the notes of the episode, of course. What's the next milestone where people can follow you? So I think for us, we've got a big two quarters. Those two quarters really will be focused around our demo plants to be up and running, probably in the beginning of Q3. Those demo plants are really important for people to see that this thing can be extracted. The lithium can be extracted in big numbers and operate with our operations team. And probably the wells, we're going to start drilling our first wells in Q3 as well. So Q2 is about preparation and then Q3 is about execution of our first major projects. And 
yeah, I mean, we're 300 people at the moment. We'll be 450 people by the end of the year. So Vulcan's growing pretty quickly. And yeah, we're getting ready for that next chapter. Well, I'd be very happy to have you back to discuss that next chapter. And thanks again for the in-depth answers you provided us today. It's absolutely my pleasure, Anton. Thanks a lot. No rapid fire today as Chris was kind enough to find a slot in his otherwise very busy calendar. So I really focused the conversation on the core of Vulcan's endeavors. But this closing segment enables me to remind you once more, sorry for that, that you are the engine of this podcast growth. I do my best to serve you high quality content. If you agree, it's good. Share it around. And if you have any criticism or remarks, please send me a message on LinkedIn or a mail Antoine at dww.show. I've been teasing you about my Red Thread Backyard Lithium project since the first episode of this mini-series. As I'm recording this, I've made good progress on geological surveys, various assessments, meetups with experts and even preliminary testing of the brine to check how a certain technology would deal with it. I can't tell you more today, but I can guarantee it's the most ambitious project slash piece of content slash video I've ever produced and I can't wait to share it with you. This time I stopped talking. See you next week with Chris Wires, the CEO of Evolve, to discuss membranes, scaling up a promising tech, successful fundraising, graphene, and of course in this series, also a bit of how all of that applies to lithium extraction. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Don't Waste Water. This podcast was brought to you by GF Piping Systems. Loved this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. See you next time.